Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Say, it is a must. Say, it is a must. Now last week, we started this series concerning uh, the kingdom spirit. Uh, we, God is a spirit. All right, God is spirit. And so we, uh, I cannot do a full-blown review, although I think I will touch on some things today. Uh, if you were not here last week or you were serving, you definitely need to get online. I also want to thank everyone who's attending today. Um, that number one, if you are, we're not going to be here today, you let me know based upon how I ended service. <laughs> and some of you have already let me know that you will not be here next week. So you uh, definitely are wanting to communicate with me concerning how I ended service. You said, well, how did you end it? You'll need to go online and listen, all right? Um, But I'm going to start out in this verse, probably go back into a couple thought processes, but not too far so that we can press on into this. Look at this in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. And this is what sparks, it's a must. Jesus, our Lord Jesus now, can Jesus lie? Is Jesus a liar? Would Jesus tell us a lie? Would Jesus tell us that there's a way to do something, but it's really not just the way? There's probably other ways. No, so whatever he says, that's it, correct? Okay. So Jesus says, but an hour is coming, and now is when true worshipers, which imply there are false ones, will worship the Father, how? In spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. In this verse, there's an implication of false worship, Okay, which means they are worshiping, but it's not true worship. Which means you must be able to discern whether the person is truly worshiping or falsely worshiping. Now, when we think false worship, we immediately, because we're just wired this way, that, you know, that must be, you know, someone going after a fake God, you know, like idols and stuff. And that's just not the case. It's just not the case at all. Because a lot of times when we do not know how to do something, we'll do it a certain way and it can be revealed, you know what, that was the wrong way the whole time. Our intentions may be genuine, but because we fail to really know, we are doing it ignorantly in one sense and that's a problem. I'll give you a case in point scripturally. There was a guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Now, this guy had the law of Moses and the prophets, and he read these things that were literally delivered by God the Father through the Spirit to Moses and prophets of things to write. And he was a studier of these. In fact, his God was the creator of heaven and earth. He was worshiping him and him alone. He did not have an idol in his uh, home. He was not going after false gods. He was passionately pursuing the God of Moses. But in that, he had some error because there was tradition associated with the Pharisees and the fact is they were actually cut off in the realm of the Spirit to be able to actually connect and touch with God. And as a result of that, the one whom he pursued, he thought Jesus was the enemy. So he attacked all people who said Jesus was the Christ. See, Saul of Tarsus was looking for the Messiah as well. 
He wanted the Messiah just as much as any other Jewish person or a person in the nation of Israel. He wanted the king to come. He did not see that Jesus was the king. And so his pursuit to the father was uh, directly opposed to the father's son, Jesus. And he arrested, beat, and had people murdered that believed that Jesus was the Christ, the king of glory. But on the road to Damascus, he was confronted with Jesus himself. Not in person, but with a voice. And he... And, and Saul of Tarsus says, who are you, Lord? Meaning, you're Lord. You're from heaven. You're God. You're, you're obviously, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus Christ whom you persecute. So he let him know. And he revealed to him that the one you've been persecuting and the God you've been serving is actually my dad, and you need to change your thinking on how you worship God. So up until this point, Saul of Tarsus would have been known as a false worshiper although he did not change gods. Oh. He didn't change gods. He got a new revelation of the God he was trying to serve. But not only that, he became born again. He got a new spirit on the inside. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then he received revelation like no one else had ever received so that he could communicate to us that we're still reading his letters today on discovering the role that the church plays in the earth today. Are you hearing me? So again, here in John chapter four, just so we are very clear, when he says he's looking for true worshipers, this is not those who believe in Jesus and those who are worshiping idols and are all the other religions. People could believe Jesus is the Christ and still be a false worshiper. Okay, so we are to worship the Father, how? In spirit and in truth. So there's two ways to worship him. And when I say two ways, it's not one or the other. You can't worship him in truth, and you can't worship him in spirit and false. Right? You can't be in the spirit listening to lies. Right? Are you hearing me? And you can't have truth without the Spirit. Now, how do I know you can't have truth without the Spirit? Because Jesus acknowledged with his own lips that when the Holy Spirit comes, he calls him the Spirit of truth. So you can't even have truth without the Holy Spirit. Now, you can have correct facts, but still have misinformation. You can know that you know that somebody stole something but you can still be ignorant of motive behind it. You can still be void of a lot of facts, per se, even though you could see something with your own eyes. But now the Holy Ghost knows it all. I said he knows it all. He is the spirit of truth. That's why I say truth is not just knowledge. Truth is the third person of the Godhead. Very important. So we will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So both of them have got to be connected. For such people, the Father seeks. So if you want the Father to come find you, if you, well, I just wish, you know, I could be close to God. Okay. See, so make statements, man. It just like right over their head. I just wish I could be, I wish I could sense his, I wish I could be in his prayer. Are you a, a 
uh, in the spirit and truth person. Because if you're there, God run you down. I just wish we could, I wish I could just be in his presence. I just wish I could sense his presence all the time. Well, if you're in the spirit and in truth, he'll run you down. You don't actually have to try to conjure up a service to get him. Now, I'm not saying we can't have a greater measure of his anointing and presence when we all come together collectively in spirit and in truth. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that if you are a person that worships him in spirit and truth, he'll come find you. All right. Verse 24 now. God is spirit. Okay? God is spirit. And those who worship him, what? What's that word? So can you do it another way? Can't do it another way. It's a must. And those who worship him must worship him. How? In spirit and truth. Now, if you're not worshiping him that way, then you're not worshiping him. Even if you say you are. All right. Hallelujah. A lot of people are telling us or will tell you that they're right with God but it can be identifiable whether they are or not. Now, I'm not saying right in the sense that they're born, not born again. I'm talking about they may not be tapping God as they say they are because they are not in spirit and truth. And if you're not doing it God's way, you can't convince him to do it a different way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So you can't convince or bring your own doctrine. Well, I think God would include people this way. No. You can't do that. Well, do you really think God's mad at this person who does this sin and this person that does it? What does the Bible say? Because why are you trying to fit their issues to be acceptable before the Father? It's not acceptable before the Father, period. Now, the blood cut can cover it and eradicate it in the sense that you can rise above it, but it's not there for you to stay in it. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are to worship. It's a must. So it's impossible then to worship God from the other two parts of our being. First Thessalonians 5, 23 says this, that we need to be blameless in our spirit, soul, and body. It should remain blameless until the return of Christ. Then we saw this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is able to divide between the spirit and the soul and joint and marrow. Joint and marrow is the body, okay? And then that word can judge our hearts or tap to our spirit so that the motive of why we are doing something is revealed. Are you hearing me? So the Bible is very clear that we are threefold nature man. We are a spirit because we were created in the image of God. So notice when God created Adam, he formed man out of the dust of the earth. That's his physical body, right? Then he breathed in him the breath of life. He became a life. He became a spirit that then had a soul, a place by which he could think. He had emotions there, intellect, and it was the place where he made the decision to either go with what he saw 
or go with what he heard in his spirit. In that place, he could choose. He had the power of choice to choose whether I will side with what my spirit, who I really am, is saying, or what am I seeing, which has to do with the natural realm that he was placed within. Now, we know when Adam ate the fruit, he did not quit breathing. Yet God said, you can eat from any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the day you eat, you will surely what? Die. That doesn't mean cease to exist and stop breathing. It meant that your spirit man would die. It would be separated from me. It would no longer be alive to me. It would no longer be able to contact me, which means in that moment, when Adam ate the fruit and sin entered the world, then humanity was cut off from God spiritually. And the only way to worship God is how? So now man only could try to contact God from the soul. The problem with the soul is the soul now is being navigated by its five senses. What we see, hear, taste, touch, right? And whatever the other one is, smell, right? Okay. So it was based upon, in essence, man started going after God how he felt. This is why it's dangerous to say, oh, I feel God. Now, you can feel God, but whether you feel God or not doesn't mean God's in the room. Whether you get goosebumps or not doesn't mean you got touched by the Holy Ghost. Now, you could get goosebumps, no problem, but goosebumps are not the evidence of the Holy Ghost, okay? Doves coming into the sanctuary are not evidence of the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing me? Okay. There are other things the Bible says that are evidence that the Spirit of God is somewhere. You know, people make blanket statements all the time, but it's really just an ignorance because sometimes we see accounts where things take place and then we all of a sudden apply it everywhere. You know, if God's in the room, things are going to change. That's a lie. You know, God was in a room at a house where he was teaching Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Ghost, I mean, had the Holy Ghost without measure and is teaching in a room that all of a sudden the whole roof gets ripped off and they lower a guy down. The presence of God's in a house that is so packed they can't get nobody else in it. But only one man who was paralyzed was healed that day, but I had a whole group in a corner complaining, whining, backbiting, wanting to kill Jesus, was not in agreement or unity at anything he was going to preach that day. And they didn't even change. The only thing they did is got harder. So the presence of God doesn't mean that things are going to change. Opportunity to change is there. But if you resist it, I said, if you Jesus was in a crowd of people trying to get to a a religious leader's house to, to heal his daughter. And a woman shows up and touches his hymn by faith and power leaves him. And he goes, who touched me? And Peter's like, seriously? You know how many people are around you right now? You know how many people are bumping into us right now? I mean, you understand what kind of chaos we're in just to try to get you over here because of the crowds? And he goes, no, 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 no. My presence is here, but ain't everybody touching me and even touching me. Oh, you better hear this. Everybody that's touching me is not even touching me. You know how many people are going to church singing a song and not even touching God? And they're crying and they're whining and they're begging and they are in heaves of of just pouring out. 
yet because they're only in their soul realm. God walked right over that and looking for the one that's in the spirit. You say, oh no, God wouldn't do that. God does that. Because God cannot violate his own word. The only way people are going to worship me is in spirit and in truth. And if he swings by and you crying, snotting, you begging God to do something about your circumstance. And it's only in the realm of your emotional soul. God will walk past you to find somebody in the spirit. And that's not callous or hard. It is the condition by which God constrained himself to move on behalf of man. And it's a greater power. But what's even greater in our dispensation is that he put the Holy Ghost in us, made our spirit alive to God, allows us to be in a tap into God by the spirit, and we are at no excuse to live a soulish life. Because, man, when you live a spirit-led life, you will have to shut down your soul on so many occasions because it will lie to you. It will straight up lie. It's been lying to us since Adam fell. The Bible says there was a time in the existence of man that there was a way that seemed right to a man. But in the end, what was it? And they were talking to God, crying out, but God couldn't redeem them that way. Couldn't redeem them, couldn't deliver them that way. It requires spiritual things for a spirit God. And I'm telling you today, church, so many congregations are set up to feel God, to touch with him emotionally, and they think they've been in his presence and he's not even in the room. Now, when I say that, he's, he's in the room in the sense that he knows where their spirit is and the Holy Ghost in them is really trying to get them to shut that stuff down and really connect spiritually speaking. We have not had more church because we ran one day. We have not had one more church because we laugh one day. Now, if laughing by the Spirit shows up, we had church. If running by the Spirit shows up, we had church. If being quiet and falling on our face before the Lord by the Spirit, we had church. If it's just the preaching of the Word and no other demonstration happened and it revealed truth to you, we had church. But you know what? I, I've seen it uh, uh, with um, uh, in the, in the the Caribbean and in um, um, the Central America that I can take a person, insert them in certain cultures to go line upon line, precept upon precept, and it will be truth. They'll know it's truth, but because that preacher has not got a vein popping out of the side of their neck and jumping and running around. They won't even identify with it. Which means they, they, it's only because we got excited. And I like to get excited. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm just kind of wired a certain way, right, at the end of the day. But for someone to stand right here and go line upon line, precept upon precept, and the Holy Ghost reveal, man, we should be able to still have jump up and shout, be able to jump up and say amen, that's it. Right? Because we don't need to be entertained by somebody running somewhere. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the excitement, but not at the expense of the spirit. Because I can show you stadiums filled with emotional frenzy that the church imitates. That the church imitates. Are you hearing me? 
Soul worship can only produce religion. While we talk about this, because when Adam fell from dominion, his spirit was cut off from God and he could only live by the other two parts of man. He began to make decisions based upon how he felt. Now, you understand, he had conviction. The minute he ate, boom, something was revealed, he was naked, and so he developed a religion. How do I cover myself so I can be in God's presence? Because he's going to show up. And his idea was leaves. He thought it was good enough to put leaves on until God showed up. <laughs> then he still hid himself. I said he still hid himself. And yet many people are, it's easy to go to a church where we're not pushing or expecting the spirit of God to move. We only want to appeal to your intellect. I can preach soulishly and never contact your spirit. And leave you leaving and have you leaving this place pumped up and exciting emotionally. But there's a devil in hell. Well, he's not in hell, you understand. There is a devil in high places with demons out there that are, are spirit beings that are waiting to take you out because they are, you are in their playground, which is the soul realm. The devil has been attacking humanity in the soul realm, their whole existence, planning thoughts. That's where he attacked Eve. He could not get to Eve's spirit or to Adam's spirit, but he went after their mind. This is why when Jesus said, all right, I've come to the planet, and first thing you need to understand is you're going to have to repent. What's he saying? The way you process information right now has no spiritual connection to God because you're spiritually dead. So if you want to see the kingdom, you're going to have to change your thinking. Don't tell me who I am. I'm going to tell you who I am. And humanity's been wrong about God for quite some time and still get it wrong today. Trying to conform God to their image instead of us conforming to his. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Adam began to make decisions. Humanity's been making decisions from the realm of of his soul, that means he lived by his intellect, he lived by his emotions, and he lived by his body. That's why when we read about kings, everybody acts like the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, we shouldn't even touch there. But there's so much life lesson there. They're history books for us. Because you can still do this now. Because people are. I mean, they, here is Solomon, who has an anointing from the Spirit, doesn't live in him, but has the Spirit of God being able to touch him, come upon him as a king. He has wisdom like nobody's, he's the most intelligent person that's ever existed on the planet, still to this day, other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right? Still to this day, okay, in, in a natural human sense. Yet, he came to a point that he let his body decide. Well, let me give me some more wives. I mean, he had so many wives and concubines. He just gave himself to pleasure. And at the end of his life, it is vanity. I mean, it ain't, I, I still can't find life in that. Because life only comes by the spirit. It can't come by your body, and it sure can't come by your soul. In fact, it left him in a really depressed state towards the end of his life. Because all of those women 
And the things that he did not do that he was required to do as a king, to write down the law, to keep the word in front of him, he didn't do it. He bought from places he wasn't supposed to, married uh, uh, women that he was not supposed to, and they turned his heart towards other worship. And in the end, when he fed his soul, his emotions, his feelings, and his physical body, he said his vanity. It's like chasing after the wind. And in that humanity. And yet there's still people in today's existence that are run to a church and pour out their soul before God, yet never touch him. Never touch him. Now, why is that? Because they do not renew their minds. They do not renew their minds. Remember, Jesus said this, and he said it for a reason. But we have like, in the majority of churches today, we're like eliminating what Jesus says. We just stop at a, at a word. You shall love me with all your heart. And we stop. Because every, all those churches are talking about the heart. That's the spirit of God. You, you know, it's a, it's a relationship. We have a relationship with the Lord. Right? Okay. And so it's a personal relationship with the Lord. And so my spirit man has been made alive unto God. But Jesus keeps talking. You shall love me. Now, he sets the condition on how you love him. You don't get to set it. You're going to love me this way. You're going to love me with all your heart in the, from the spirit. Because, again, you can't even talk to me unless we're touching each other spiritually. There's no relationship here. But not just all your heart, all your soul, your mind, your will, the intellect, that's the soul realm. You're going to give me your mind. You're going to give me your soul. And it's jacked up. But you're going to have to change it. You're going to have to conform it. You're going to have to renew it to my word. And I'm going to put a spirit, I'm going to make your spirit alive to me so that you can hear me and we can be in a relationship together. You can contact me. You can actually worship me. Then I'm going to put the third person of the Godhead inside you to bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God now. And he's going to teach you some things, which means he's going to say, soul, shut up and listen to this. Quit thinking like that. Quit acting like that. Quit behaving like that. Quit feeling like that. I hear it all the time from pulpits everywhere. I just want to be real. We just got to be real. You know what they do? They're real carnal. They want to be real. Well, let me tell you how I feel. Like all of a sudden, we're more personal. Well, listen, if I just want to relate to you on a soul realm, I'll keep you from God. I'll keep you from God because you can't touch God by the soul. Well, I need you to know that I feel that way too, and I have that struggle too, and I have that issue too. Oh, I just love our pastor. He's so real. He's really soulish and needs to renew his mind and quit living by his soul. The testimony we should be hearing is like, seem like nothing bothers you. Seem like it doesn't affect you like us. Oh, no, it affects me. I just don't yield to my soul. I mean, it shows up, but I go to the spirit. So when I want to be mad, I go to a different fruit. <laughs> when I want to be angry, I go somewhere else. Unless it's a righteous anger, then I'm going to go there. 
I'm going to go there. I'm going to turn over a table like Jesus and be righteous by it. Amen. Yeah. I can have self-control. Right? I can't even believe you're, you're acting like you're, you're being so, man, I'm long-suffering. Man, I'd have done put them down the road. You know what? I'm, man, I don't go by how I feel about this. I live a totally different contrary life because I'm tapping to the Spirit. And the Spirit is totally different. It, you're going to live upside-down life. If your actions look like the majority of the world, you are living soulish. If your response to Facebook, social media, injustices, things going on in the world, just like everybody else, you're living soulish. You're living soulish. Because there is a way that when you say something, it should pierce their spirit. It should pierce their spirit. Because a, a, a human that doesn't want to be near the spirit of God will reject how you respond. But we want everybody to like us. Okay, Romans chapter 3. <laughs> Got to get all those likes, you know. Ooh, look how many people like. Look how many people viewed my stuff. Okay. <laughs> Jeremiah would not make it on YouTube today. <laughs> he actually would probably be banned. Yeah, it would ban his account. <laughs> I want to be a great prophet. Be Jeremiah then. Okay. No, you don't. You just want to be known. Okay. Romans 3, 10. I'm talking to people that's listening now, not y'all in here. Okay, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 13, 12. Look at this. As it is written, there is none. Got to change. Got to get your mind right here. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And for years, we've looked at this scripture only one way, and we've missed the real way. Let's look at this in the Passion, because it helps give a little more insight. And the scriptures agree, for it is written, there is no one who always does what is right. No, not even one. There is no one with, here it is, true spiritual insight. And there is no one who seeks after God alone. All have deliberately wandered from God's ways. All have become deprived and unfit. Kindness has disappeared from them all. Not even one is good. Now, typically when we read that, we say no one goes after God. No, not one. No one seeks him. Nobody goes after God, right? And we know the scripture says that unless the spirit drew us, we wouldn't even be born again. So we automatically fall into the trap of thinking that nobody wants to know God. Yet, the Bible's full of people trying to go after God. Because the word seek here, by definition, just means search for, investigate, scrutinize. The problem is, is when you are dead in your trespasses and sin, and your spirit is not alive to God, you can only seek God from the soul. And no one can get to God soulishly. So when he says no one goes after God, no, not one, he's saying nobody prior to being a, having a born-again experience could ever find God even though they look. I recently got a testimony from someone here in the church. I'm going to be very vague about it, okay? That they encountered a, a particular individual that was a professing atheist, okay? 
And they had some time to have a little conversation with the individual concerning their belief or why they are like they are. And it was revealed that when this individual was younger, they prayed to God. They prayed to God because they had a loved one who was sick. And they asked the Lord to heal them. Now, I'm going to be very honest now. This is going to be very tough. Very tough for you. Very tough. I get it. But just stay with me because you cannot violate Scripture. You cannot sit here and make an, an excuse. Because, again, there are people in the Spirit that are offering up prayers concerning situations that are actually affecting people's lives but other people are praying that are not alive to God, talking to the Lord, and the prayer seems like it's actually answered when the reality is it came from someone else who's been in the spirit about it. Amen. And we don't want to hear this. Why? Because we think, I cried out to God before I was even born. I asked the Lord this, and he did it. Did he? Let me ask this question. Okay, let's just set it up because this becomes difficult. I get it. Um, how many of you have had a loved one that you know was born again while you were in your rebellion praying for you? Right. So there was someone that was in the gap that had a connection in the spirit to be able to talk to your situation, which tells me when you began to move in a context, are you hearing what I'm saying? Depending on what that situation was, that when it became an answer, God was actually answering their prayer, not your prayer. Now, they answered their prayer so that it could help reveal to you that he's that good. You say, okay, and I'll give it because I hear it right now. I hear it in the spirit. Wait a minute now. We're all dead to Christ, so when we pray to the Lord to get born again, how does that happen? How does he hear us? First of all, the spirit of God reveals the truth. No man comes to the Father unless he is drawn by the Spirit. In that case, when that individual realizes their need for the, to be saved, God's grace will get into play in that context so that you then can become alive unto God. Are you hearing me? Now, let me ask this question. How many of you are praying right now that the lost would be saved? Okay. How many of you are doing the prayer that Jesus says? Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth. So it tells me, even in your born-again experience, somebody that's of the Spirit was praying for you to be able to hear. So once again, a person that nobody knew, per se, right, and only try to tap in in the realm of the soul is not going to happen. Because there's only one way to contact God. It's by the Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Now, there were conditions within different dispensations because, again, everybody goes, wait a minute now. You can go back to the Old Testament. I get it. But the Old Testament, there were different conditions that they lived under that God ruled them or... How could someone that's never born again not go to hell? Because today, 
You're going to hell. You're eternally separated. Yet Abram could die and be in paradise. Because based upon the known will of God, he judged humanity based upon what he had revealed. But now that we're in this dispensation, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's paid the price for all sin. You're not going to paradise. There's no such thing as purgatory. Doesn't exist. There ain't no holding tank. The only holding tank now is the grave. And it's tormenting there. Torment's there. It's, it's bad now and it goes even worse. Because you'll go from grave, that's torment, up to heaven, be judged at the great white throne judgment, and then cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Are you hearing me? Okay, y'all doing all right? <laughs> so when we say seek, here's an individual then that sought God in their understanding. And because God did not do what they thought he should do, he can't exist. And there's many that fall even out of the church because they come with a prayer to ask God to do something, but they're not contacting him with the, the spirit. They definitely are pouring their soul out. I'm not going to say heart. I'm going to say their soul out. I mean, they are crying, they are begging, they are even fasting for that, but they never tap to the Spirit. And when God doesn't do it in their time, based upon their thinking, they abandon God. When the reality is they didn't meet the condition for the Father to, enter, to move on their behalf. And let me tell you how merciful God is to those individuals. Somebody's praying for them. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, somebody's praying for them. He's merciful. And what's so sad about people who go away? My gosh, there's so many people. If God could just pull back the veil of time and let you see in the spirit of the people who are calling your name out before the throne. And then we're going to have the audacity to like, you know, basically put our finger up to the Lord. Tell him he's number one. Because he didn't come through like we wanted. And I understand when it comes to children, when they're young, right? And the chaos is in the home and they're trying to call out to a God because they know he's out there, but they can't contact him. That's why it's important for us when we encounter people that you know, especially with Treasure Hour Preschool in Washington, and you know, you pray for those kids, intercede for those kids, take time to tap, to, to go to heaven's throne on behalf of their lives so that they won't take that thought because God is spirit. We have created, especially in the United States, people are like, where are the miracles? Where's the signs? You can't have miracles and signs if you're a soulless church. God's not moved by our soul. He's moved only by the Spirit. Look what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 5. It says it this way. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. For we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive 
to the obedience of Christ. Again, Jesus comes to the planet and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is a spiritual kingdom that actually has a physical place, that is a physical place that eventually will be the only physical thing seen, both physically and spiritually speaking. But at this point, it's invading earth in a spiritual realm. But in order for you to access it, you're going to have to change the way you think because you've been living by your soul for so long. It's messed up. You can't live by sight. How many times have we read scripture that says we are to live by faith and not by sight? Okay? And our faith rests in the word of God. Our firm persuasion, our belief is that what God says, despite how I feel, is true. So when my body tells me, you're sick and going to die, I have a word from God that says you'll live and not die. So I don't allow I'm going to die come out of my mouth. I only say I'm going to live and not die. So all this pain's going to have to change. It's going to have to. Because I'm not moved by how I feel. Factually speaking, I got symptoms going on. Factually speaking, the report is I got six months. But the truth is, by his stripes ye were healed. I'm going to live a long and satisfying life. I'll keep that in the ring with me, and that's all that matters. I don't go with the way I feel. Listen, if you get a bad report, you should not be laying in your bed crying about it. You should be on your feet talking what the word says and quit living by the way you feel about this situation. So many people are responding soulishly to everything they encounter. You lose your job, they go crazy. Don't have some money, they going crazy. The world's falling apart with lawlessness, we going crazy. I don't live by what I see. I mean, the Bible told me it was going to look this way, but he said he delivers the righteous out of all their trouble. So why am I getting all worked up and mad because someone's a president or someone's not a president or somebody's this and somebody not? Who cares? My king's on the throne. He's never been overthrown. He's never lost a battle. He always wins. I'll only triumph because I just speak the word only. I don't care if gas goes $100. My God has the capacity to keep my tank full supernaturally if need be. But he also has the capacity to keep dropping me $100 bills. He's not limited to just turn my gas tank by putting water in it and turning it into gas. You would don't ever do that unless you heard the Holy Ghost. And we'll know if you did. Just to let you know. But I will let you know. I've heard of a testimony that a person did just that. Filled it up. And it ran the whole tank because it turned into gas. Now you can say, I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe Jesus turned water into wine. You don't believe Jesus walked on water. You don't, I mean... These are just natural things that God can get a hold of if the Spirit's talking. I know of people who heard God to give away a car, then somebody else didn't hear God to give away a car, but soulishly gave away a car because the one who heard God to give away a car got a better car because they did it in obedience to Christ. But now the other did it in lust for a better car. Oh. 
I'm preaching. I'm preaching way. This is the soul of the church. Oh, look what can I, I can get this. I, listen, what's the Holy Ghost talking to you about? Because when he tells you to give Ray the car, he's not obligated to give you one the next day so you can make it to work. You might have to figure out how to walk there or ride a bike there or be completely inconvenient and your soul's like, this is stupid. I should have never gave away that car. Thinking, because anything I've done by the Spirit is crazy to my soul. Reverend Marty, Marvin Yoder came here when we were doing what we were doing here with them all prior to closing. And he walked around with me and we talked about it and I gave him the whole details of everything going on. And he looked at me and he says, I like you. <laughs> I said, what's that? He says, yeah, because if you miss God, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. You're going to look like an idiot. Yeah, this is good. Why? Because that's typically where you look to the world when you're following the Spirit of God about situations. You look crazy. But yet, we just want to live comfortable in our thinking. We don't want to mess with our minds. And God forbid he messes with our minds and gets us to feel a little uncomfortable. Are you hearing me? The word flesh here denotes mere human nature, the earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. And so he's saying our battle, our, we don't walk in the spirit. We're not waging war that way. In essence, we are not trying to fix our problem from a mere human nature standpoint. And you will always do it that way when you are not in the Spirit. Period. God is Spirit, so His Word is Spirit. And if you're not in the Word, you are a soulish believer. You may be spirit, uh, spiritually alive. I'm not questioning that you're, whether you're spiritually alive. When you're born again, your spirit's been made alive unto Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ in the realm of your spirit. You are in right standing with God. But right standing with God doesn't mean you make good decisions. When Adam ate the fruit, he did not lose the capacity to think. He did not lose the capacity to think. He had a thought. I'll just cover up. So when he shows up, I'll be all right. And he thought that was a good enough answer. So just because you're alive to God, we in reverse, unlike Adam, who was perfect on all three levels before he died, we were dead. And our soul and body was jacked up. I mean, it... What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 7? He said, I know a man. He said, he said, there was a time that I just wanted to do right, but I did wrong. And when I found myself not, you know, no matter how hard I tried to do right, I was still wrong. The things I didn't want to do, I found myself doing. And then he came to the conclusion, what a wretched man am I? And who was he following? God the Father who gave a letters, letters or uh, messages to Moses. And prophets. That's who he's trying to worship. 
Yet he's a miserable mess in it because from the soul realm, he can't even touch God. He is a wretch. But what's he say? But thanks be to God that in Christ Jesus, I was caused to triumph. I was able to come out of that way, that way. That's why Jesus said, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to get a different mindset. We talked about in Isaiah 55 that the Lord said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. When I, my word goes and it comes back, it doesn't return void. So what is he saying? You're going to have to get my thoughts, your mind, your soul realm is so messed up, you've got to retrain it to hear the Spirit. And most of us, because we've reduced, when I say most of us, I'm talking about the church world in the United States specifically, definitely just wants to die and go to heaven. So we don't want to change the way we think. We are satisfied that I've asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me, so when I die, I go to heaven. And we are just as susceptible to everything else in the world like the rest of the world. We respond to problems the same way. We react to our spouses the same way. Our children the same way. Our attitudes, our talk is the same way. What we listen to is the same thing. I mean, people... Anyone that's really living a holy life separated into God, touching the Spirit, would be questioning whether you're right when they come and work with you. Oh, I go to church. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's a little shocking to me right now. <laughs> I mean, you say the F word as much as everybody else. I'm shocked. I mean, I saw you boozing it up at the bar with everyone else and staggering out. And I'm not pretending. I mean, if you're drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're an alcoholic. That's not social drinking. Okay, that's fine. It's amazing the deception going on. You can't tell on the table who's different than the rest of the world. No, you should know something different. You know what? I had this epiphany. <laughs> so crazy. Jesus was the most holy guy on the planet and preached holiness and attracted the world. Why has so many pastors compromised to live carnally to try to win the world? You know what? You know why you get a crowd? Because I can identify with anyone soulishly. It's easy to identify with everyone soulishly. We've all had lust problems. We've all had financial problems. We've all had rejection problems. We've all had depression problems. You know, we've all had ADHD about something. I mean, I could hit the spectrum of whatever you've been classified as. And, it, and, and, and it's like we want to comfort each other. Well, they understand how I feel. Jesus said, I don't care how you feel. I want to liberate you. I want to give you a new spirit. Because I actually want to have a conversation with you. And my conversation isn't how you feel. My conversation is, this is who you are. Now, this is who you are. Now, quit change, change your thinking. Don't worry about how you feel. Do this. Live by faith, not by sight. Quit looking. Quit feeling. Just do. That's a whole new species of being. That's a whole new breed of people. Amen. I said that's a whole new breed of people. That's why when COVID came to St. Augustine, by way of Anchor Faith Church, apparently. 
when the natural government said and never asked the church, I just went to a higher government. I said, how do I respond? And you know what my king said? He said, don't forsake the assembly. So you know what the world said about me? You're crazy. You don't care about people. You disregard people. You don't care about their life. If you want to talk about life right now and people dying, let's talk about where their sin is. Are you dealing with symptoms that, that can take them out of the planet? But what if this person doesn't even know God? And now you've cut the church's voice off that all these people who went into the hospitals that could not get a word in their deathbed may be going to hell today. And we're talking about whether I'm breathing on you or not. You ain't got nothing to say to me because you're shallow in your thinking. Your symptom. Soulish people only address symptoms. They never go to the root. Because the spirit always goes to the root. And that's why people drove by and gave us death threats. Go ahead. You're not the, it's not the first time a true believer worshiping God in spirit and truth wasn't threatened with their lives. Right? Yet, if I keep my preschool open, I'm a hero. I can keep my preschool open Monday through Friday, clean the facility with the nurses that are in Flagler treating COVID who comes into my facility Monday through Friday to pick up their kids, but I can't clean it on Sunday. But you know what the soul thinks? Soul just identifies with everybody's feelings. So many just cave to opinion. I'm not a soulless preacher. I follow the Spirit. And at the end of the day, if you don't agree with that, you can go to any church. You're a free will moral agent. You can do that. I'm fine with that. I definitely don't want you here unless you're supposed to be. But if you're supposed to be, it's just because you won't put your flesh down. Well, you'll have to talk to the Lord about that. Galatians chapter 5. Y'all doing all right? Okay. Let's look at this from the Passion Translation. All right? Because it's a must. I'm telling you, there is, a, there is a, such a deficit in congregations today because we have created programs that contact the soul and make us feel a way that's masking who we are. It's not even letting our full potential out. And we can't do that. Can't be that here. Got to be spirit-led people. He says this in Galatians 5. Verse 16 to 24, I'm going to read out Passion Translation. It says, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. You'll abandon them. So again, you must worship him in spirit and truth. He's looking for these true worshipers, which means you can't worship God because you feel like coming to church today. This is what got me in trouble last week. Right? That's why everybody called me. And let me know they're not going to be here. How many people don't come to church because they don't feel like it? So all of a sudden, you're going to have more spiritual experience because you came to church because you felt like it today? Like God's obligated to talk to you because you felt like leaving your bed.
Most of the stuff I preach is for our online audience, not in here. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor, see, again, people would assume, Pastor, he loves to come to church. Oh, I've had many a Sundays. Many a Sundays. (laughs) I was like, this bed feels good. I could call Pastor Mike right now. You got it. I'll just stay home. I deserve it. You know how much I've sacrificed for that vision already? I mean, it's just one service. What's the big deal? Now, have I missed services? Yeah. I mean, I do other stuff. I've never technically stayed home ever, right? But there's purposes for not being here, you know, so it's not condemnation. But if I'm not here because I don't feel like it, that's a problem. And if I came to church because I felt like it, you know why I come to church? Because there's a the God who is spirit commanded me. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as is the habit of some. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Right? So there's a commandment that compels my spirit. And so when my body, my soul realm doesn't feel like it, I say, well, bro, you're going to get it together. So you just find you an outfit. You know how many times I didn't want to come to church because I couldn't find something to wear? <laughs> oh, I have some amens in here. You're telling on yourself right there. You didn't come just because you couldn't find the right outfit. Oh, my. You say, are you, you don't know how many times I've walked out of the closet. My wife went, you wearing that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm trying to be confident. And she's like, hmm. <laughs> and I'll just walk around for a while. <laughs> like I'm doing it. <laughs> and then I go back to the closet. <laughs> What else is in here? (laughs) What about this one? Yeah, that's better. (laughs) Thanks. It's just like, I'm just trying to make you not look stupid on the platform. That's all. (laughs) Thank you, honey. Thank you so much. (laughs) See, I abandoned the cravings of my self-life. You don't know how many times Pastor Marsh and I have driven home longing to find a private island for a few months only to put it down longing to find a yacht fully staffed that would sell us around the world and the caveat is I'll write books while I'm doing it yeah there's all kind of things in this world that are very tempting but I'm not of this world See, I got a word that tells my spirit I'm something different. And I refuse to allow my soul realm to dictate how I'm going to navigate life. That's how we are. Say, that's how I am. Verse 17, for your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. 
So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh, that is, living by human nature in your soul realm without divine interaction. You're going to live by the way you feel. And the new creation life of the Spirit. We've got to live this way. But again, you cannot live by the Spirit if you're not in the Word. And the number one reason why I know most churches are soulish in their worship is because they do not read the Bible. Go ahead. I give you permission to find all the people that you work with that are believers and ask them how much of the Bible do they read. Ask them how many times you read through it, cover to cover. Ask them how many times they read it this week. And how many verses? Don't just say times. Oh, I'll read it every day. How many verses? Well, the one that pops up on social media. You can't live by the Spirit and not put the Spirit in you, the Word. Can't do it. You'll always reward. And here's what's crazy about this verse right here. In Galatians, this is to the church, not to lost people. This is to the church. What's he saying? Even though you're born again, your soul realm could side with your flesh to kind of want to do what it wants to do and kick your spirit to the curb. Yet, in that moment, you can't worship the Father now because Father seeks true worshipers and they worship him. They must worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. Can I give you another one? Listen, just because you came today doesn't make you spiritual. Doesn't even mean you're living by the Spirit. You know how many times Jesus preached and it went in one ear and out the other? That's why he would say, he who has ears, let him mean do it. Faith comes by hearing, but you got to be a doer of the word to actually be in faith. And you know how many people are deceived right now that they are spiritually moving with God, yet they're hearing my voice right now in this room, and they are not actually reading the scriptures for themselves passionately, looking and seeking God, taking this message. Because if you're not taking notes right now, you're not listening. Now, what do I mean by that? You can't retain everything I'm saying. Now, if you're like, Pastor, I go online. To great. If whatever system you have to get it in you, great. Because just hearing me today doesn't make you spirit-led. It's not going to work. You got to be a studier. Studier of the word. Christianity is not by osmosis. Living a spirit-led life is just because now you've been made right. I mean, stand up, please. Bethany, would you stand up? Bethany has her, has her daughter with her today. Turn around so they can see her. Okay, this is their daughter. She is born. You can see her. She's alive. Right now, she was alive in the womb, but she's out, so you can see her. She's alive, right? But she sure can't eat by herself. She's not going to survive without milk. And yet, we get born again, and then we won't drink the sincere milk of the word that we may grow by it. Because if she let this girl right here go without milk for the next week, We would arrest them for neglect. 
yet you don't even feed your, feed your spirit, man. Well, service is next Sunday. Well, I have to miss next Sunday because i got to do this, but I'll be back. And you had not even drank any milk for the last 14 days. No food. Thank you. He says we are to grow by it. And then we'll blame God. Lord, what are you doing? How come this happened to me? Man, I wish you'd have been talking to me in the spirit about this because I'd have had you more than a conqueror. But you cut me off. You started living by the soul. You tried to beg me into something. I respond to my word. I don't respond to anything different. Come on, y'all all right? Let's see. Maybe I can get through this passage and we'll stop. We can come back next week too. All right, let's go on. Um, verse uh, 18. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. Man, do I? Uh, yes, I got it. Guys, if you read, go back to Romans chapter 3. When you hear words like, we don't live according to the law, that just literally means... You're living according to God's word of your own natural ability. We don't live it that way. But we do live according to God's word, which by all right then becomes law. Because where the word of the king is, there's power. We do it by faith. We believe that God will do what he says. And we do that now by the spirit because the spirit can actually talk to us. See, the whole old covenant is God revealing to humanity that your spirit is dead. Guys, no matter how much you try to do, you're never going to be able to contact and get right with me. You're spiritually dead. Now, you can meet a condition that can get you into paradise, but at the end of the day, you're going to be in the grave till Jesus shows up. Because the only way I'm going to be able to accept you into the family is I'm going to have to get rid of all your sin. And even though you live righteous, according to what I said, you did it from a, a, an aspect that was still dead and awaiting. So really, they were in paradise because of faith. They believed that the Messiah was going to come and that this way of living was the correct way, but ultimately, it still wasn't good enough. And so I'm really believing the Messiah is going to come and take away the, my sin. And that's why they're in paradise. So again, when he says this, when you live a self-life, you're dictating, I'll, I'll come to God how I feel, when I feel, how I feel about it. That shouldn't dominate you anymore. That's living under a law, you setting a condition, even if it comes from God, on how you fulfill it. On the other hand, we do it now by the Spirit. And God's grace gets involved, meaning he empowers us to actually live it this way. Where we couldn't have done it by ourselves, our spirit man's alive, and it pulls what God entitles us to do to go forward. Because again, as I said, anytime someone says, well, the law's done away with. Murder's not done away with, people. Thou shalt not. Is that a Ten Commandment? So it, it, again, it's, it's error in our preaching when we make blanket statements that are not truth. Now, I don't get to God because I'm saying, I did this and you have to accept me. Because you can't do that. But you can say, I accept what you did for me. Now, I'm not going to kill this person, although I really feel like it right now. And how many of you felt like it? Yeah. How many of you felt like stealing something? How many of you felt like gossiping? 
Oh, I want to say something right now. Okay. Verse um, 19, the cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinion. Just go to social media and you'll find that. Being envious of your blessing, the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addiction. Because again, we hear read murder, we're thinking, oh, they actually killed somebody. No, I mean, Jesus said, listen, if you hate your brother. He said, you've heard the ancients say, my dad said, thou shalt not commit murder, but I say unto you. If you hate your brother. You've heard my dad say, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you're lusting after somebody, that's hard. You may not have actually done it out here, but on the inside, you're guilty. Because your soul wanted to do it. Okay. Being in of blessed murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behaviors haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom, that means the grace of God allows me to still live in sin because I can't do anything anyway. Okay. For these things you will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. Verse 22 and 23, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love with all of its varied expressions and its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness and action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that those who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion, for everything connected with our self-life has been put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. So... If the fruits of the Spirit are a challenge for you to produce, then you are led by your soul. The situation shows up that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control does not manifest in the situation, which will be contrary to the way you feel. Then you are living by the soul. you get into a situation it's very identifiable whether you are responding soulishly to a situation or spiritually because of the fruit your wife gets mad at you and you decide you're going to get mad back they say something that cuts you you decide you're going to say something that cuts them now you're responding to them by the soul you're not led by the spirit to do that because you can have self-control. Situations take place that you should be completely depressed in what you heard. But you know what? I'm just going to walk in joy anyway. And if you can't have joy in a very difficult, trying, if all you do is crying about how bad it is, and then doing a tag, yeah, but I know God can. You're living soulishly. Yeah. 
Because it ain't about whether God can. You're not touching him by the Spirit to do something. My mom caught me one time when we were younger, when I was younger. She was younger too then. But we were playing a, a game. <laughs> we are playing this game. Or, or we are playing a game at the time, but there was some other stuff that I was doing in general. And um, I would, you know, say this. Shut up. I'm just kidding. Right? And mom let me do that for a few times. And then one day she says, you're not kidding. You think that just by masking and saying you're kidding means you don't mean what you're saying. And a lot of us were crying. We're in the soul about the situation, complaining about it, whining about it, talking to people about how bad it is. Because you know why we do this? Dustin, you know why we do this? Because we want people to identify with our hurt. I know when people are in the soul because they don't want to come talk to me. Because I know I don't have a right to look at you, uh, LG, and say, Man, I feel it. I feel like, I'm like, what's the Bible say, man? At the end of the day, what's the Bible say? I can't get emotionally involved in this situation. What's the Bible say? But I can always tell when people want to live by the soul because they don't want to come around and hear what the Bible says. But you know, they'll start finding other people in the congregation to try to identify with how they feel about, what do you think about this? Well, you know, I was feeling the same thing. Yeah, I know, I was sensing this. And then they use sense, like it's spiritual all of a sudden. Right? But they're not. They're just full of the soul realm. They're just looking for people to identify. This is not a flesh-friendly church, to be honest with you. I mean, you're going to get offended here. And that's not because we're trying to. The word would offend you, and it will make your soul realm upset. It will hurt your feelings. Well, pastor just hurt my feelings today. No, the word hurt your feelings because the word's saying, quit feeling like that. You're more than a conqueror. You can triumph. You can overcome. Quit crying. Get up. Be a champion. Let's do something. Quit whining about how bad the gas prices are. Quit crying about whether or not we're getting people to show up, you know, for work. Quit whining about all the stuff going on with racial inequality. Quit crying about how the government's out operating. That's soulish. There's only one way that we get justice and peace. It's in the kingdom. It's in the kingdom. It's easy. And I focus on that and I keep my perspective on that and I keep my eyes set on that and I keep myself moving on that. And then I say, what can I do to help show the kingdom? Because gosh, I wish the U.S. government walked in this room right now. They'd be shocked at what it looks like in here, the way we look naturally. Now, how in the world are we all getting along? Well, it's because we've been born of the blood. I said, we've been born of the blood. I said, we've been born of the blood. We're operating as a kingdom. We're not going by how we feel. Now, I can take a stand, what's right, what's wrong, and I don't care what it looks like on the outside or who was a part of it. What's right and what's wrong. Let's have that conversation. But as far as things going to be going wrong in the world, 
Yes, welcome to the planet in sin. And guess what? King Jesus is going to take care of that. Because he's going to show back up and put his foot down. <laughs> Until then, all I can do is stay led by the Spirit. Speak by the Spirit. Do by the Spirit. Contact God by the Spirit. And then let the fruits of the Spirit dictate how I feel. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.